Hey, man, you guys can have a seat. Um, thank you again for being here today. Uh, we want to communicate in every way that our Lord loves you, uh, that he has done everything to make a way for you to know him. And that is one of our privileges all the time, not just here, but in our lives on a regular basis to just live that out. I think one of the most beautiful ways that we can live that out um, is just to just to dwell in it ourselves, um, to grow in it, and then just re- let that be reflected in the way that we speak and the way that we act and the way we make decisions in our lives. Um, it is uh, it is good to be here this morning. Um, I, when I've been praying about the, the message and looking forward to what God would have for us this morning. Um, a few weeks ago, I thought, man, because we're getting ready to go into a series, and in a few weeks, uh, we're getting ready to start a, a, a new series. I know for some of you who've been like, man, we have been in Acts for a while. Trust me, it could be longer. I just want to leave that with you just a little bit, but we're getting ready to finish up our series in Acts, uh, and we're going to be in a short series called uh, Grace That Is Greater. Um, so so initially, I thought, man, it would be really awesome um, on, a, on a kind of a, a back-to-church Sunday to dive into that. Um, and just kind of sample that, but um, really Acts 27, I feel like, um, was, is just really what God has for our hearts this morning. It is just through several conversations and several things that I feel like God was showing, um, and also just the truth of what Acts 27 really talks about, um, I, I think it's going to be really good for our hearts and our souls and our lives this morning. Um, have you ever been in a place where you have kind of, kind of woken up to the reality of, man, it's, I've, I've kind of been in the same pattern or relationship or or the or the same just kind of condition and and I think maybe the, the last year and a half or so is kind of reflected I've just kind of been living through the same thing and you realize more time has passed than maybe what you were even aware of and you kind of wake up to this kind of like how, how did I get here or 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 why have I been in this situation so long have you, 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 does that make sense? I mean, have you ever kind of woken up to kind of that feeling? Um, there, there's people who are just, you're either scared to be here right now, or you're just really nervous, you don't want to admit that, and that's okay, there's no judgment here. Um, but but I, at several points in my life, I've, I've kind of woken up to that moment of, man, I just really have been stuck in this place or this season, or, or really it feels like kind of spinning my wheels for a while. In Acts 27, um, is, is Paul, the Apostle Paul, coming out of really two years of just this kind of rolling over condition of, you know, he had presented really faithfully his testimony of the Lord, and, and he was really under a, a moderate arrest for it, and he was just really held in place, and, and he would be brought in for questioning, and he would be locked back up, and it was just kind of this rollover thing. And, and t- really two years had gone by, and, and you would think it seems like there's almost this kind of thing that comes out of us is like, I got like two years and nothing to show for it. Does that kind of sound... Similar to what you've maybe heard before, I've, I've done. I do a lot of uh, do a lot of counseling, um, and I love premarital counseling uh, because I love to see two young people or two people at a season in life, and they're excited about marriage coming in. And and I don't like my job is to not bust bubbles. Like we all know what reality is sometimes, but like my job is to just kind of sit in front of them and, and really walk through God's work. But but I've also counseled um, couples that that are not quite there, um, not quite there for marriage yet. And, and I've heard this statement before. Have you ever heard somebody say this? You know, I've, I've, I've been with this person now for X amount of time, and, right, no, like no proposal, no nothing. And, and sometimes I kind of, I have to really force my face, because my wife tells me I have a resting mad face, um, and I think I do. But sometimes I have to really, like, wrestle down the smile, because sometimes you'll sit in front of somebody, and they'll go, you know what, I, we've been together for, like, six months and nothing. Like, six months? Like, I got shirts that are older than you. Like, why are you complaining about six months? 
it, you know, so we, we go through these seasons in life, and we kind of wake up to kind of some of this stuff, but, but, but we're going to see today, I really believe, we're going to see very clearly how Paul comes out of, and, and, and when he comes out of this, I, you don't sense a frustration in Paul of, hey, two years for nothing. Because for Paul, I really believe he's grown to the point, and we see evidence of it in Acts, that his relationship with the Lord isn't conditional um, towards circumstances. In other words, it doesn't have to look a certain way to be pleasing to him. Paul just realizes that there's value in knowing the Lord, period. Not comma, not, not dash, period. There's just a value in knowing, to, to belong to him, to know him, and, and to rest in him, walk in him faithfully. There is, there is a real relationship just in that, and that alone is, and I'm almost cautious because this is a dangerous word to use, satisfying. Satisfying, content, right? And we're going to see that come out of him. Now, um, for, for the circumstances of what we're in, there is an event, and it's called a shipwreck. And, and sometimes a lot of people look at this and kind of think about a shipwreck scenario in life kind of figuratively out of this chapter. Um, let, let's kind of not judge the severity of the circumstances they're in. I mean, it's, it's, it's stressful. It's, 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 you feel like your life is on the line. Let's just look at this a little bit more just from a, man, in, in, the, moment, in the moment we're in, what has led to this, what got us here, and then now what do we do? Because I, I don't think there's a time in life where, where that lesson out of Scripture is, is useless. I mean, I, I think that's, that's useful all the time. So one of the things we're going to look at first is really just kind of how, how the decisions got made, what, what brought them to the place that they're in. Um, I'm, I'm not going to read verses 1 through 8, but I do want to tell you this. 13 times in verses 1 through 8, the, the, the word we or us is used. Luke, who, who authored, if you, if you thought Paul wrote Acts, Paul did not write Acts, but Luke authored Acts, and as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit and absorbing all these details, um, Luke is so good at, and, and some of the reason why we're stepping over the last couple of chapters is, well, there's, there's so many details in there. Luke is, is constantly inspired and so gifted at listing a lot of details, especially historic details, so people could go back, you can go back and trace back these biblical events, and they're not just biblical, they're historical. He names specific places, specific people, so that there's a target out there to show, God, you did this. This is a way that you really did work. Um, and and some of the, sometimes I think that's such the value. In, in our D-Life meeting on Thursday, one of the things that, um, um, that Mike talked to the group about was the value of, uh, of, of just of, of writing. Ethan talked about it um, this past week to our students uh, on Sunday afternoon in, in student ministry. He talked about the, the value of journaling and really recording specifics that we can go back and look at and go, God, you did this. You, you put this on my heart. You showed yourself this way. So, so Luke is writing it this way with the we and the us because Luke wasn't kind of getting some, some details and, and trying to push a story together. Luke experienced this same thing. So everything you, you hear this morning is going to be a direct eyewitness account from Luke's life, okay? Um, now, they're on two different ships in these first eight verses. Um, one, and I'll show you this. Would you go ahead and put that map on the screen? Um, this map that's going to be up on the screen shows really the whole journey of the remainder of, of, of Acts, okay? So in the first part of, of chapter 27, over here to this side of the screen where it says Judea, th this is the starting point um, that they're in. And, and what happens is, is they, they transfer between two different ships. Um, but the whole route hugs the coastline. 
because these were ships that were going in and out for trade, and, and there's a lot of reasons, it's one of, because of the time of year, that they were really sailing closer to land than they were out in open water, okay? And we're going to come back to this in, in just a minute. But um, the second of the two ships that Paul is on, just to kind of for you to know, got a little bit of what's happening, 276 passengers, um, some of them prisoners, some of them soldiers, some of them crew experts at being on the water. Some of them were probably just people that were looking to travel from port to port, and they, they were paying a fare, and they were on that boat, and they were a passenger, okay? So 276 people, and this was specifically a grain ship, so it was carrying cargo that had value from port to port. This was about making money, okay? Now, we'll start reading in verse, verse 9 this morning uh, here in Acts chapter 27. It says, By now much time had passed, and the voyage was already dangerous since the day of atonement was already over. Paul gave his advice. Okay, but before I go to this, so the day of atonement, that, that gives us a little bit of a time reference. Um, this would have been late September, early October, basically the time of year that we're in now, okay? And, and in this part of the world, from September to November, this is not the time that you wanted to travel much on open water. This is the most dangerous time in the year to sail on open water. Okay? So already we see that they're, they're at this point where any journey on water was going to be dangerous. And sometimes I think there's a value in just realizing that the moments of life where everything that's decided right now has a little bit higher value than what we may want to normally give it. You ever, you ever kind of looked at those seasons of life? Right now, I'm, and I'm telling you, just week to week, I'm, I'm an emotional wreck because I got my first, my first uh, graduate in my family. Now, I've hugged a lot of parents that cried at graduations. I've took a lot of pictures at graduations. I've never had to watch one of my own walk across the stage. And, 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 and I'm sure, parents, if you've been there, you, you've, you've already realized what sets in heavy often a lot, of, a lot of mornings. This is senior year. This is a smaller amount of time now that every day he wakes up in my house. The, the, the times that we get to sit down and really eat together, I'm telling you, I'm almost, whew, I'm telling you, wreck every single week. But, but I realize there, there are some moments where it's, hey, value is, it's, I'm aware, value is a step higher right now. Not that all the other moments aren't as valuable, but it's, but, but, but it's right there at critical decision-making time. And, and so right here, we, we see that kind of heaviness on this scene. It says that Paul gave his advice and told them, um, men, I can see that this voyage is headed towards disaster, and heavy loss out of own, uh, um, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship rather than to what Paul said. So here's my question. And, and when we kind of think about where, where are you, where am I at at this moment in life, uh, I want to ask this question of us. Have we been listening to the right or wrong voices? Have we been listening to the right or wrong voices? So the centurion was, was in charge of Paul. Paul was in captivity. Now, Paul had gained favor, man. He, he lived a, a Christian life out loud in, in living color in front of the people that he was even held captive by. So he constantly, because the Lord was giving him favor, he, he, he was allowed to do things. The fact that Luke was on this journey with him, he was, uh, he was able to bring two companions on this journey. They were not under arrest. 
They were not part of any trial that was going to happen. He was just allowed this grace because of, of, of the position that God continued to put him in. And, and here's the thing. The centurion had to listen and make a decision. Do, do I take the prisoners I have and get on this boat and continue on, or do I not? So he's already been traveling with these people at this moment. And, and here's the issue. You may say, okay, the centurion looks at Paul. All right, this guy's kind of like what we would call preacher man. Like, is this the guy that I need to be listening to when it comes to my travel plans right now? Like, is this guy really an expert enough voice for me to listen to? But, but, but here's the thing. Paul had already been shipwrecked in his lifetime. He knew what that felt like. He knew the, the, the trouble of that. Paul, in his missionary journeys, had already traveled back and forth this same route multiple times. Paul knows. I mean, it's, it's first-hand experience. But, but he didn't listen to Paul. Who did he listen to? He, he listened to these other two individuals, one of which is the ship owner. Now, here's, here's something really important. Because the, the distance between where they were at this moment and where they were talking about going to, it, it's, it's really not far away. The, the dock that they were in is a place that the Bible references as Fair Haven. Sounds like a nice place, right? Sounds like something where we'd want to go vacation. And it is, it's great in good weather months. But it's kind of like being out of the coast a little bit. When you get to bad weather and you get to nasty winds and hurricane time, it's great in good weather months, but that's not where you want to be then, right? You, you, you see where I'm going with that? And, and, and so this is what he's thinking. If we stay at this harbor that's going to have some worse weather, and, and honestly, the, what we know historically about these two places, um, the, this is how rough it was. There wasn't a lot of fast food restaurants, right? I mean, do you ever go through a town, like you're traveling back and forth, and you look, and you're like, hey, if you don't have a minimum of, I'm only going to eat one place, but if you don't have six choices, it's not safe for me to stop here, right? So here's what would have happened. If there were little options to eat and bad weather, the captain, the boat owner, would have been responsible for taking care of the passengers and making sure that they were well fed. You know what that cost? Money. Money. Yesterday, I took my family with just one extra friend to Chick-fil-A. Don't tell me that's Christian chicken. That ain't, what, that ain't the prices they're charging these days, right? Like, I'm sitting there, I'm going, I'm like, I got to call a friend to get some money. Like, how does this? And so, so he would, he says, man, look at this cost that it's going gonna, it's gonna to pull out of me to take care of these people. So, so he was all for continuing on. But what's his motivation? Finances. What's the motivation of the captain? The captain wants the owner happy. He wants his job well taken care of. He, he, he's going to be taken care of no matter what. He wants everybody to say, hey, this, guy's, this guy can do it. And, and he's been on the water. He knows that it's a short distance. He also knows that it's risky, but he knows that it's a short distance. And that short distance thing that keeps whispering to him is telling him, this is, this, this is worth the risk. And, and in our lives, we have to decide and we have to really look at, are we listening to the right or wrong voices? Because sometimes, sometimes there's people that come into our life and, and they give us advice. And, and these are godly people, but we, we're tempted to look at them and go, I don't think you understand what I'm going through. And sometimes we, we, we really need to just pause for a minute because the Holy Spirit, that, that Acts is talking about how the Holy Spirit works through believers. Every single person that belongs to Jesus, that they are saved, has God's Spirit inside of them regardless of their 
8-hour, 10-hour, 12-hour-a-day vocation. They've got God's presence in them. So, so brother to brother, sister to sister, brother to sister, sister to brother. However the relationship works in Christ, if God is using them to speak, it's always worth listening. Sometimes we want to be tempted to just jump to this thing of, well, you don't understand, you don't know. But what's the evidence? Paul, Paul's not denying that it's risky. He's just saying, hey, listen, the, the, the potential cost is not worth it. So when you have a friend that comes to you in love and, or comes to me in love and says, hey, listen, this, this thing that's going on in your life, hey, 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 the cost is not worth it. The cost is not worth it. That's the kind of message we need to at least take and say, God, okay, is this, is this you speaking? Is this you speaking? Is this an area for me to be obedient in? Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, um, if, if you know this verse, it, it just simply says, um, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. You know, so just because I start out with a good heart to make a good decision doesn't mean that I'll necessarily end up there. That's, that's biblical scriptural wisdom to say, hey, listen, the, the people in our lives, you ever had somebody tell you, um, show me, show me your, your, your gathering, your, your community, and I'll show you your future. Have you ever heard somebody say that? When we hear that, what do we say if somebody says that to us? Man, closed-minded. But, ugh, it gets you though, doesn't it? Like it comes back and it, and it, and it bites later on. And, it, and, it, and it's really true. The voices that we've listened to, to that maybe have influenced where we've gotten to it's important. We've talked recently about how the rearview mirror is much clearer than the, than the front windshield sometimes. There's seasons in life where we can look at this. Um, verse 12 says this, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in. I mean, it, it, it was going to be a windy, rough season of weather. The majority decided to set sail from there, hoping somehow to reach Phoenix, a harbor on Crete facing the southwest and northwest and to winter there. They, they said, and, and notice, and to somehow hope to. This journey should have only taken, can you put that map back up for a second? I mean, let, let's, let's make sure that we feel the weight of this. See where the yellow area, arrow is? That's where they were. Where they were going to is where the green arrow is pointing to. This really should have taken hours. You know where they ended up? The red arrow. What should have taken hours Ended up leading them over there. You know what the second group that they listened to was? It says that, what, that they decided to go with the majority. Oh, that's safe. Right? I mean, we, we all, I mean, can't we all just jump on the bandwagon on that one? Even if, but, but, but really, what's the power of the majority? Let me give you a biblical example. Numbers chapter 13. God tells his people, I've got a promised land I'm going to give you. And, he, and God just says, go look at it. Go look at it. This is what I'm going to give you. They send 12 people. One person represented every tribe. You remember how they came back? 10 to 2 saying what? We can't do this. I'm sorry, did God ask you for an evaluation? Right? Like if I'm in leadership, I'm going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You went out. We, we commissioned 12 of you. We packed you lunches. We fed you. We funded you. You came out and now you're coming back throwing us completely off the rails. with We can't do this. But who won the day? The majority. The majority won the day over the two people that came back and said, the two that went and just looked at it for the eyes that God gave them to look at it, they came back and went, holy cow, this is going to be awesome. 
You ought to see this place. It's going to be fantastic. They, their opinions did not win the day. What did the majority? Because there's, there's, there's power in the majority. Many times, many times we see the majority win. Because ultimately, um, as, as, as Christians, and, and, I, and I, wanna, like, I don't want to burst your bubble because um, I'm somebody in life, I've never really felt like, um, and, and please, please hear me through this, I'm not like self-deprecating. I just don't naturally feel like I belong. Like, I don't have that gift. I can have fun. I can be part of the room. But, like, I, I don't just in my nature feel like, oh, I belong here. I'm always the person that feels like just kind of my anxiety and, and, and my subconscious wants to whisper to me, hey, these people don't like you. Like, like you don't fit in this. Like, that, like, that's just what goes through my head. So, so in my life, I'm okay accepting I'm going to feel and look different. Now, I didn't realize how different I did look until this past week. Um, I went into a dollar uh, a Dollar Tree. And sometimes you just got to go in Dollar Tree. You don't even need to really. You don't even need something. But the Dollar Tree, it feels like you are a millionaire, right? Like does that? I mean, and and maybe you're more mature than I am. And if you are, that's okay. But sometimes you just need to go in there and go. You know what? I could buy forty things right now if I want. Most places I can't buy forty things, but I can go in there and go, I can buy forty. 50. What do you got? I mean, sometimes I somebody's in front of me. I don't even know what they're buying, but I'm in Dollar Tree. I'm like, I got this one. I got them. You just, you good. What, seven bucks, right? Like a $7 blessing is not that extreme. But I, I go in Dollar Tree, and um, immediately the, the staff is coming up and asking me if I need help. Like, this is Dollar Tree. You ever had somebody at Dollar Tree come up to you like, hey, can I help you? No. Like, they're running the other way. Um, and and, I, and I'm, they keep asking me, do you need help? Do you need help? Do you need help? And they're being so nice to me. And I look in the line, I'm, I'm in line, I'm checking out, and I mean, the, cash read, the cashier is just, I mean, as nice as they can be to me, and finally I get done, and, and right at the end of the aisle is, is someone, Dollar Tree Polo, name tag, but underneath it, big yellow bar, manager. And I'm like, they think I'm stealing something. In the Dollar Tree, of all places. If I was going to steal, it wouldn't be in the Dollar Tree. But she stops me, and she's like, so how did we do? Excuse me? She's like, I mean, are, what, what do you feel like could be going on? Um, and I'm looking, I'm looking I, I literally have bag, brown paper bags that are guest bags. If you're a guest today, please take one of those. Br- br- that's where they came from. Brown paper bags and small packs of Kleenex. That's what I've just purchased. And I'm going, um. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I, I don't have an answer. I just don't. She's like, well, you know, I just want you to know that we're doing everything that we can to get a grip on this. I said, ma'am, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to ask, who do you think I am? She's like, well, you're a loss manager from corporate, right? (laughs) Really? Like, if I don't look average enough, now I look like a loss manager from corporate, from Dollar Tree, doing doing sting operations on a Thursday <laughs> beside a Walmart. I'm like, what? I mean, if I come in, if I preach one day in like a tube top and an earring, it might be, like, you know I snap, but I'm tired of this. I'm like, I'm, I'm so, so ready. Sometimes we're just aware that we look different. Sometimes we just get it. We look different. In the Old Testament, when God gave, when God gave his people the law, I'm sure on some level they felt different. They, they knew they looked different. But, but think about this with me. 
um, when, when we don't look like everyone, like if we don't look like culture as believers always, culture sees a difference, they notice it, and out of that noticing can be something that becomes a question which could become a conversation, which gives us an opportunity to really relay the truth of who God is. And, and, and if just more people, and sometimes this happens socially, we, we get in and we're, we're the one family, the one couple who don't fill in the blank, or that who um, maybe don't have the resources that, that, that everybody else has, or, or we don't exactly parent the way everybody else does, we, we feel like we need to jump in and cooperate. You know how many, you know how many parents buy cell phones for their kids at a certain age just because what do, we, what, what do they push by? Well, everybody else has got it. And, and that cell phone is not just a cell phone anymore, right? Like th- there's all these, di- and, and we, it, we, we find ourselves, and I, I don't even know that I'm fully aware of how much and how often I might be in the same boat of going along with the majority. So that, that's, that's, that's our second question is, based on where we are, have, have we followed the majority? Verse 13. When a, when a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they had achieved their purpose. They weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Now, I, I don't, I'm not going to read the next verse yet, but just to spoil it a little bit. Basically, here's what happened. Gentle breeze in the correct direction, and they were like, great, we made the right decision. So here's the third question. Have we looked for evidence to validate our possibly questionable decisions? Because here's what I've noticed. I can decide something or I can form an opinion and it's really not hard work. I can find enough evidence to go along with that prideful spirit in my heart. I can can develop the evidence. And and that's the thing. When, When our decisions really aren't based according to what God's calling us to do in faithfulness, we live in a world where there will be things that will happen that will be very easy to convince us that that's evidence that agrees with the decision that we've just made. But we live in a world that, that acts in a real biased way. Um, if you, if, and I'm not going to take time to do this, but I tried it this week because I, I, somebody had said this and I heard it and I thought, well, that'd be kind of fun to try. And, and I got two people with me, and, and we all type the same uh, Google search phrase, right? Because if something's just a true search engine, and, and you type the exact same thing, it ought to yield the same results, right? I mean, like, that makes sense. But it don't. Why? Because it's considering everything else you've looked at, everything else you've searched for, what you read, what you watch. It's factoring all that into what? My, my, even my searches, my questions are tailored towards old habits. Well, the walk with Jesus we're supposed to make is transformational, which means what? We're supposed to be less like who we were, more like Jesus as we live. But isn't it crazy we seem to live in this world where it keeps kind of wanting to revert us back to old habits? Isn't that crazy? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Um, to, to lean on something. You know how much you got to trust somebody to lean on them? I mean, I know we sing the song, Lean On Me. In fact, my son requested it live not long ago. Um, we, 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 we like this phrase, to lean. And I, and I mean, to have someone in your life you know you can lean on 
And by the grace of God, I praise him because I'm married to one, right? Like, whew. I know the value of that, right? But to lean, to lean on something, to put your weight all in, when we really read that out of Proverbs, that's scary because it's like, do I know enough to really control this decision? Like, can, can I take in enough, have I taken in enough information to know all that I need to know to say, I can completely make this one? The Bible says, instead of leaning completely on me, I should then take all of that to the Lord, who then will give direction to my path. I mean, it sounds so logical when we know Christ. It sounds so logical. But we also realize by the evidence of where we are sometimes that, that, that I haven't always been faithful in that. Verse 14 says, But before long, a fierce wind called the nor'easter. That's a, that's a typhoon-level wind. So on, on the shore of that map, on some of those coastlines that they were hugging with that, with that path, there were, there were cliffs, there were mountains that were thousands and thousands and thousands of feet above sea level. So wind would come over these things and hit you. And, and remember, it's a moment of agreeable evidence only for, boom, just a punch into those sails. It says, since the ship was caught and unable to head into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. So we're, we're getting ready to go through a few steps. We're getting ready to go through a few steps where we're going to see, this is a good picture of the path that we've gone on in life sometimes when we have that wake-up moment of how, to, how have I gotten here? How, how have I had this amount of time and, and, and show nothing from it? Like when we have those kind of moments, listen to see if this sounds familiar because when I read this this week, I, I was in my mind I started just reading the record of a ship journey and all of a sudden I'm hearing these words and I'm like going, oh no, Lord, that's not the, just the journey of a ship. That's been my life, Right? Ready, listen to this. The, the first one I just read. Um, it says, since the ship was caught and unable to head into the wind, we gave way to it. We gave way. You know what we said? We, 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 we can't do, I, I, I just can't do that. So I give way. In other words, that force, the, the opinion of the majority, the, the voice of, of someone that I banked on being an expert, evidence that seemed like it agreed with the decision that I was making on my own and not really with the Lord's um, influence, I, I, I gave way, and then after I give way, what's the result? Um, it, the boat was driven along. There, there, is a, there is a slim moment between giving way and, and not even realizing that the current of culture has caught you up and taken you a mile downstream, right? Like, have you ever had just your, your it feels like life got away from you that fast? Like, I, I just, I kind of I missed this window, or I didn't do this, and, and, and I gave way on this decision, and the next thing I know, I, I, don't, even, I don't even recognize where I am anymore. That's, that's the language of this passage. It says, after running under the shelter of a little island called Cauda, we were barely able to get control of the stuff, or the, um, the skiff, I'm sorry, I probably should be wearing my glasses, um, control the skiff, after hoisting it up, they used ropes and tackle and girded the ship. That meant they, they were able to get ropes. Literally, they would put ropes um, overboard and bring them underneath the boat and, and get those, retrieve those, and they would band those together in hopes that and these wooden ships wouldn't be absolutely torn apart. And, it, and get this middle picture. It's this massive, heavy grain boat with 276 people with ropes around it holding it together. 
And you look at this and you almost think, this, like, really, y'all, this is the best idea y'all got? And I, but I have to imagine that my life probably looked that desperate sometimes when it was just me and under my power trying to hold things together. Like, I, I can control this. I, I can, if I just work a little, if I just do this, if I work longer hours, or if, if, if I go into this new relationship, whatever it is, if I just do that, I'll, it'll be able to hold things together. Only to realize that it, it, it's just, it's just not working. It says, fearing they would go aground in the, and um, go aground on um, the Sirtis, they lowered the drift anchor, and in this way, they were driven along. So, so they, took, they took down some equipment, and they realized, okay, it's better to go with this than to keep trying to fight against it because everything's getting ready to fall apart. So what is that, now it's that second phase of almost just like, you know what, we've gotten this far. There's really nothing we can do, so we just got to continue on. We just got to keep going. So it's because we were being severely battered by the storm. They get, began to jettison the cargo uh, the next day. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Um, th- this is just kind of a sign of just kind of almost like, I, I got to do something. I got, I got to change something. I got to do this. And it's just attempts, right? Like it's, it's not solving the problem, but it's, it's, it, I feel at least better than I'm working. I'm trying to do something. Maybe I'm the only one that lives a jacked up life. I don't know. For, for many days, neither sun nor stars appeared. Okay. You, you get, I don't know if you get this picture. This is what really this means. They're on a boat. They don't have GPS. They don't have a, a, a depth radar. The sun rising and setting and constellations in the sky are the only way they know where they're going. You could also say this verse this way and be pretty accurate. We were lost without the ability to know where we were headed or even how to start heading in the direction we wanted to go. They found themselves at a place where they, they just they couldn't make a decision. Because there was just such a sense of, of not knowing and, and being so far and ha- having resources. And the severe storm kept raging. Finally, uh, the hope that was fading, the hope was fading that they um, would be saved. So finally, the last thing that we see goes is got that, that, that glimmer of hope, right? Like somebody could pass us by, somebody could, could, could be sailing through the same area. Something could turn, the wind could stop. Just that last kind of turn of hope. Now, in this next section, Paul really lives Jesus in front of these folks. Now, now, the assumption in chapter 27 is that the vast majority of people in this, in this story are, are probably not saved. Some maybe, but, but many not. So just kind of notice what Paul does from here on through. Verse 21, since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and said, You men, you should have followed my advice not to sell from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives but only of the ship. For last night, an angel of God I belonged to. Now that's not that he belonged to the angel, that, that it was he belongs to God and serve stood by me and said. Now before I go into that, I want you to just really kind of get in here Paul's testimony, Paul's confession, Paul's relaying of hope to people. His hope is not anchored in good news. Now, he's getting ready to say some stuff that, that is good news. I don't deny it. But, but Paul's 
hope is anchored in more than just a message of encouragement, a message that they're going to survive. This is Paul's message. Number one, I belong to the Lord. I belong to the Lord. That's, where I, that's who I belong to. That's my identity. It's not me on my own. I belong to him because why? Paul knew that it was by grace that he was saved, not by works, because he would be able to brag if it was. It, it was by the free and, and just undeserved grace of Jesus' death on the cross that paid for his sin, and his resurrection gave Paul new life and salvation to live for the Lord, to belong to him, not just in eternity, but on the boat too. He says, that's who I belong to and serve. Uh, the ESV uses the word because you could really translate it either way. ESV translates it by worship. Because everything I do really is worship to the Lord, not just songs I sing, the, the way I make decisions, the way I, I work during the week, the way I pray. Like, it's all supposed to be, here's the attention you deserve. Because that's what worship is. Worship isn't music. Worship is giving the Lord what he's due. And to say, okay, Lord, you deserve the way I have this conversation. So that's my service to you. That's my worship to you. Paul says, listen, that's who I belong to. That's who I live for, who I worship, who I serve. And that Lord, that God spoke. He communicates. He has a word and a message. And Paul realized when there's no hope, regardless of how far we get, the word of God is what will capture our hearts to bring us back to him and to put us in a right relationship with him. This is the message from the Lord. Don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. Does that sound like good news to the crew? Great! His God spoke to him about his own future. Mine doesn't look so bright right now. But, but here's what Paul's message was for them as he continues on. And indeed, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. So take courage, men, because I believe that God... Um, I believe, God, that it will be just this way. It was told to me, but we have to run aground on some island. Paul's hope was anchored in who he belonged to, that that was really who he was called to worship, and that that God would speak to him. And, and that message was, this is not the end of the line. And, but, but don't we always want to go to the best case scenario? Like, we want to go from the worst to the best right away, right? Like, isn't that what you want to do? You want to make the jump from, I don't like where I am. I want to go to perfection. That's the way we want to have our workouts go and our diets, right? We want to go from, like, blot up. Wow. I mean, you know, we, we want it to be like, the, the, by the end of the week. That's unrealistic, and that's, that's unhealthy for our, for our expectation. That, that will destroy your spiritual condition, your mental health, everything. So, so what, what should we expect? that there is a decision to make, there is an action ahead of us, and odds are the first one isn't that easy. What did Paul say? Here's our intermediate step, folks. It, it's going to be better, but for right now, we got to run this thing aground. we got to get one step out of where we're, what, what mess we're in. We'll have to deal with the next mess when we're there, but we got to get out of this one right now. A spiritually healthy mind this morning just says, all right, Lord, if I'm not where I need to be, it, it there might be another mess one step away, but one step is better than where I am in you, right? Like that, that's, that's obedience. That's where I need to go. So in, in the next, um, there's two temptations um, at, when we discover, when we put, find ourselves at this kind of season in life. And I want to I mention these two um, temptations real quick. Um, so if you read the next set of verses, verses, uh, verses 27 down to 32, there is a group of sailors who 
they hear it, right? They hear it. They start to take some measurements. They realize, okay, maybe this God is helping us towards shore. They realize they're, they're getting towards some piece of land. So they take measurements. It's getting shallower. They get into a boat and, and tell everybody, hey, we're going to let some anchors down. We're going to do some of the work that needs to be done for us to kind of keep going with this idea that this guy Paul has. But that's really not what they were doing. They were getting away. They were going down in these small boats, and they were getting out of there. They realized they were close enough to land, and they were skilled sailors, and they were like, you know what? We can make it. And one of the temptations that we often face in these kind of seasons of life are self-preservation. What can I do to look better? What can I do to feel better? When we hear, okay, this could be a hard journey, and we know in our soul that's where I need to be, what would make me feel better? What would get me out of this jam? What would get me faster to a better place? How can I use just me and kind of push off others and just take care of me right now? It, it's, it's funny to me that, that Paul steps in and goes, hey, listen, and he tells, he tells some of the soldiers, some of those that are on the ship, he said, listen, if all the sailors get away, they're the ones that actually know what to do on this boat. Everybody needs to be on the boat. Like, what do you think is going to happen to everyone else if they leave? You know what they do? They cut the lines. They kept them from getting in the water. And, man, sometimes I wish that God would, would, would in, in moments, seasons of my life where I've wondered, I wish that he would have almost, now that I look back, I say, God, I, I now wish that you had to just cut some lines when I was trying to get away from you that would have brought me back into a community of people that I needed to be a part of. Sometimes I think that that is what God does. He, he bring, have you ever found yourself just kind of bringing, like you just, you're amazed at who you run into or who you connect with in certain times of life where it's like, man, you know, I really should be, really should be somewhere different than kind of where I am now. Not necessarily the place, but spiritually. So we're tempted to act towards uh, self-preservation. Um, when it was about daylight, this is verse 33. Uh, when it was about daylight, Paul urged them all to take food, saying, take um, in this uh, today is the 14th day that you've been waiting and going without food. Um, remember I said Paul is really going gonna, gonna, to be the voice of Jesus. He saw, um, he saw that they were in need. He saw that they were neglecting something. He saw that they needed something that he could, he could encourage them to. So I urge you to take some food for this um, is for your survival since none of you will lose a hair on your head. What else? What's the second thing that we're tempted to? We're tempted uh, to neglect what we really need. We're tempted to neglect what we need. Um, we, we, um, we, we know that we need God's voice. We, we tend to, and, and maybe you've heard somebody say this, I got to get back into church. You ever heard somebody say that? Church is the, is the people of God. We do need a community of believers, right? But a church service rarely solves big problems. In fact, across your lifetime, if you can ever name more, and I make my job this way, if you, but if you can ever name more than five specific sermons, you're way above average that you've heard in your lifetime right? Church is great. We, we Bible says don't neglect this. We need to worship together. We need to grow together because we'll take what we hear on Sunday and we'll, we'll live it out and it'll be part of just this massive, this, this accumulative growing in our life. But what I need every day is the word of God. I don't need to wait till Sunday, right? And, and, and if we're not careful, we'll neglect what we really need. And, and Paul says, hey, listen, what, the reason you need it is not just to feel better, not just to have your stomach full. He said, you need this to survive. And the word of God on a regular basis, a good, faithful, hope-giving uh, community of believers around you, 
praying diligently, seeking the Lord, worshiping, being part of an active body, equipping the body to grow together and to serve Him and honor Him, give Him glory. Like, this is really for, some of us think, well, I need to do that. No, this is really for our survival. This is for our survival. Here's kind of the closing part of this section. Um, After he said these things and had taken some bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of all them. After he broke it and began to eat, they all were encouraged and took food themselves. In all, there were 276 of us on the ship. When they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing the grain overboard into the sea. Here's why I think this is so crazy, right? If you want to know, man, how can I help others? How can I minister? How can I be Jesus into somebody's life when when those around me are saying, how did I get where I am? What did Paul do? Paul knew that they needed it. But he didn't just say, you need this. He took it himself. He faithfully said, we need this. And he lived it out as an example in front of him. He took it. And you know what that allowed them to do? That allowed them to catch their breath and go, man, yes. If you know that somebody in your life needs prayer, pray with them. If, you, if we know that someone needs to be in, in, in community and growing in God's word as part of a, uh, something like D-Life that we do, bring them in. If we know that somebody needs to come to a service on a Sunday, hey, there's nothing more powerful than bringing them in. Or if you're watching online, bringing them to your house or calling them saying, hey, turn your volume up so I can know that you're watching too, right? Like, do it with, do it in front of, live Jesus faithfully, and it changes people's lives. You know what they started doing? They started throwing the grain. The grain was the most, in their minds when they started this trip, it was the most valuable thing on that ship. And they were able just to throw it off because... How important was it now? Not very when you measured it against life. A lighter ship would have gone into ground, it would have run aground with less violence. So they said, yeah, we can, we can throw that off because we want to live. Because ultimately, here's, here's, here's the thing. It's, it's, it's a change of values. When, when Jesus captures our soul, we realize not just I don't want to be where I am, but we get a good idea of the, what, that the Lord wants to take us somewhere. It's amazing. It, has, it has amazed me in my life what I can confess and what I can become aware of and actually get rid of out of my life, uh, especially in the, in, the, in the category of sin, when values change. The more I love Jesus, the more I'm just in love with him in a moment, the easier it is just to hand off something that I don't need to carry. It's amazing. But when I love me, whoo, that's a different party. Would you put the map on the screen for just one more time? Praise team's getting ready to come back up. Um, but I want, I want you just to think about this with me for a second. The, that yellow arrow there at Fairhaven, it, it just seems so possible just, just to go a little farther on that shore and get to this port called Phoenix. I mean, it, it, it was going to take hours. It, w- it wasn't going to be easy. Yeah, there were signs that maybe I shouldn't do it. But it just seems right enough to make that, make that trip. And I think if you ask everybody on there, they said, you know what? I never would have gone from yellow to green if I knew I was going to end up at red. Never. And so for most of us, we would say, hey, Lord, I never would have. Fill in the blank. If I had known, I would be ended up at, experienced, whatever else. So, so let's, let's, let's take that as a value recognition. 
and realize it's not the lesson that's that, that the highest value lies in. It's the Lord of the lesson. It's Jesus. It's realizing that he may not need to say anything new. He might just need to remind you that you belong to him. And that as a child of God, you don't have to live in that circumstance. You don't have to go through and feel so heavy what has been felt. He may remind you that the call to to righteousness may not be easy, but it's where he called you all along. So he's just there and he's going to walk with you faithfully. He, He may whisper to you, and you may have been a parent for 20 years. He may whisper to you, hey, these are still the children that I gave you. And I'm not calling you to worry over what you haven't done. I'm just calling you to be faithful with the moment that you're in now. It could be finances. And I always throw out a lot of examples because literally the truth of God's word is good for all of it. So right now, right now, if we're aware of the things that get us where we are, great but are we aware of the Jesus that really has put a call are we aware of who we belong to because that's who we serve and worship if I belong to me I'll serve me I'll worship me I'll I'll focus everything towards me and ultimately you know who I'll listen to the words I speak if I if I belong to culture if I belong to a, a group that I'm pacing myself with I will serve them. I'll adapt my lifestyle to them and I'll ultimately judge my life and I'll make my decisions on what they say. And but if I belong to Jesus and I want to serve and worship Him, then there's already so much that I can listen to. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? And if, if you don't know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to tell you just how simple that is. The Bible says that in believing in our hearts that Jesus died and and rose from the grave and confessing Him as Lord, that that, that we're saying, Lord, it's not my will, but it's Yours, that that we come into a relationship and that we're saved, that that through prayer we receive that salvation that God wants to give us. If you know that this morning is your morning, that you want to begin a relationship with God, then we want to invite you up during this last song to pray um, and, and be prayed with and be talked to for just a minute. If there's any other need that's in your life, I pray that the truth of God's word has spoken to it this morning. Even if it's off topic of what the message was, I believe God's truth can speak to you accurately from the heart of God. But if it's on topic, or if it's about any need that's heavy on your hearts, and we want to call and ask you to pray with us this morning up front. Would you stand with me at this time? And before I step away, I do want to ask you one more thing. If you will, please, um, last week we mentioned um, son-in-law. Sandra and Hugh Smith, Buzz, um, Buzz passed away at the end of this week. Um, so if you will, please be in prayer and remember their family um, through this next week or two, especially um, as, as they're doing some things. Um, they have offered their appreciation for so many checking in with them and, and, and continue to do so. Just show your kindness, uh, but know also to keep them in prayer. But this morning, as we pray, not only for them, but for what God's already speaking about, I want to open up this time. For you as well. Lord, thank you so much, God, for your grace, your goodness, and your truth. Lord, as you have spoken, continue to guide and direct and speak to us. Lord, help us to, to, to know as an anchor who we are because who we belong to in Christ. That, that, that it is you, Lord, that we serve, that we worship, that everything gives credit and honor to, Lord. But ultimately, you've spoken. So God, help us in this season of life to take your word and re- 
regardless of the next step, take the next step in faithfulness in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.